Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending February 19th, 2021. I'm Brian Yadow, and I'm joined today by Russell Investments Senior Investment Strategist, Paul Eidelman. Paul, it's good to see you today. Yeah, same to you, Brian. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so, Paul, as always, uh, we'll cover economic news for the week. Uh, this week, we'll cover uh, recent upward moves in interest rates. Uh, we'll also cover an update on U.S. retail sales. And finally, we'll cover some recent news this morning about uh, developments with the Pfizer vaccine. Sound good? Yeah, it does. All right, great. So let's let's start with uh, the U.S. interest rates. So uh, 10-year Treasury yield hit 1.33% this morning, and it's it's gotten quite a bit of attention this week uh, as interest rates have reached uh, the highest level in, in almost a year. So uh, what are the recent moves in interest rates signaling at this point? Yeah, I think that's probably been the most notable development in financial markets over the last week or week and a half. As you mentioned, 10-year Treasury yields moving above 1.3%. That's the highest uh, sustained yield level we've seen for the expansion so far. And I think there's kind of two main drivers of that development. First has been arguably a sharper than anticipated reduction in the number of COVID infections in the United States, United Kingdom and to a degree, continental Europe. So that's been a, a piece of positive fundamental news around the global economy. Um, the second ingredient, which is maybe more important, is uh, the rumblings that we've seen around fiscal stimulus expectations in the United States. And so I think viewers may remember several weeks ago, uh, President Biden unveiled a point. $9 trillion fiscal stimulus package. At that time, the $1.9 trillion figure seemed more aspirational and, and like a wish list, but increasingly, uh, it looks like it could become reality. And um, really, the, the main change has been centrist Democrats like Joe Manchin from West Virginia, really in their public remarks, aren't disagreeing that much with any of the material provisions of the bill. Uh, the remaining Areas of tension tend to be on smaller items or, or more technical issues. So things like a $15 federal minimum wage is one of the things that's still kind of contentious. And the other one is uh, specific income thresholds at which households would qualify for $1,400 stimulus checks. But several weeks ago, it was kind of up in the air if stimulus checks would even kind of pass muster and get into the final bill. And so I think there's been a gravity towards higher U.S. fiscal stimulus expectations from previously being maybe in a $600 billion to $1 trillion range to something today that looks like uh, $1.5 trillion to $1.9 trillion could be achievable. And so that's obviously a pretty substantial upgrade over the last few weeks. And I would just say further to that, uh, we haven't really seen any evidence yet that higher interest rates are having a detrimental impact on the U.S. or global economy. Things like uh, the housing market or consumer durables or business investment have still been pretty healthy. And so at least for the time being, we're in this sort of good news is good news phase of the business cycle. And that's been quite encouraging. Well, moving on to another indicator, uh, we saw a pr pretty big boost in U.S. retail sales this week. So the, the stat was 5.3% uh, in January, and that's that's ahead of the 1.1% consensus forecast. And and the biggest biggest jump in several months now. So what do the recent numbers suggest about you know, the health of the economy and and as it as it relates to your earlier comments? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, multiples ahead of what was already a pretty optimistic 
consensus expectation. Um, and when, when we kind of unpack that in terms of the specific categories that demonstrated strength, it was things like consumer electronics, furniture, and a number of sort of big ticket discretionary items, which kind of quite squarely points to evidence that the $600 stimulus checks from uh, the fiscal package that passed last December flowed through into household bank accounts and were spent in a pretty meaningful way benefiting uh, the U.S. consumer and ultimately the U.S. economy. So I think that was a a piece of positive news and and positive surprise around the short-term economic growth. And when we tie it back to sort of the last discussion, there's now this expectation of bigger $1,400 stimulus checks, again, hitting the economy maybe around March or April. And I think it's just encouraging uh, that that could provide another meaningful boost uh, in the second quarter on top of what we're already expecting to be kind of a natural reacceleration as as vaccines roll out globally around that time. And I know we've talked a lot about the United States so far, but this idea of fiscal stimulus is very much a global phenomenon. There's been roughly $14 trillion of fiscal stimulus provided to fight back against the coronavirus globally, which is really historic uh, on on scale and has been, in our view, a critical backbone for the economic recovery that we've seen so far. So lastly, let's let's touch on news that came out this morning. Uh, the Wall Street Journal published an article uh, about a study that showed that the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine can still be very highly effective with one dose and can possibly be stored uh, in normal freezers. So that's a pretty big development. What impact could those findings have on the global vaccine rollout and, and potentially on financial markets? Well, I think it could potentially speed it up and make it a bit more reliable. So that should be a positive for financial markets, particularly um, the more cyclical styles within financial markets like value securities in terms of equity strategy or, or smaller cap securities. Both of those tend to have more cyclical performance patterns. But when you kind of think about it, the news that you just mentioned, if um, countries are able to transition to a, a single dose uh, vaccine rollout strategy on on the Pfizer vaccine because it seems to be 85% effective. That could almost double the speed at which uh, they can get this important medical breakthrough out to a, a wider swath of their population. And so as we're thinking about those timelines towards the middle of uh, this year in the United States and around the developed world, potentially a little bit of upside risk for the first time in a while and in the speed at which uh, we could achieve herd immunity in in some of those uh, critical developed market economies. And then on the the cold storage issue, I think that's important for two reasons. One is that uh, increasingly many countries are leveraging pharmacies in their uh, vaccine rollouts and distributions. And and pharmacies typically only have uh, normal freezers uh, in terms of their, their storage, which it seems like Pfizer's vaccine would now be stable in those kind of environments. So that's an important uh, and and critical development in terms of uh, those distribution centers. And then it's maybe even more important for a number of the developing economies that simply just don't have the infrastructure to have what's called a sort of cold chain distribution with dry ice continually around the vaccines to the point that they're injected into individuals' arms. So also, I think, a positive for a number of the developing and emerging markets uh, potentially getting easier access to these uh, very important vaccines. Great. Thanks, Paul. Well, that's, that's all the time we have for this week. But as always, we appreciate your insights.
Yeah, thanks. And to our listeners and viewers out there, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time on Market Week in Review. <laughs>